Welcome back to another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. I am DC, one of your jacked co-hosts, and I'm joined by Jack Lawrence and DY. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes, or should I, should I say chicken and rice and protein and cereal of today's episode, I wanted to catch up with the boys, kind of see where they're at. We haven't caught up for about a fortnight now. So I believe, Lawrence, you would have just uh, finished your mini cut, I believe. Is that correct? Very close, sir. I'm in the final days of it as we speak. So finishing at the end of this week. Nice, man. And how how has that progressed thus far? Now, you probably don't want to do a big spiel about how you're going because I think you just did a, a podcast update on um, on where you're currently at. So give us a bit of a, I guess, a summary of, of where things are at for you. No, I'll rattle off the whole 30 minutes, mate. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> good, man. Like the cut has been very, very easy. Like I was probably, I was listening to Jack's podcast recently and Tierra was saying how she just did a mini cut and it just felt like an absolute breeze and can definitely relate. It just hasn't felt hard at all. And I think it's because I've intentionally tried to take a bit more of a relaxed approach. And like I said, in my own podcast, like I'm not trying to make it a mini prep. I'm trying to just make it as phase of my off season where I'm eating fewer calories. So it's been really cruisy, man. I think we, I think I was a 90.7 yesterday. So right around where I wanted to be sort of being about 90 ish when we wrapped it all up. And then that will just give us a bit of runway across the festive period. And then a little bit more runway when we get into the final few months of massing. Mm. but it's been good man i must say the only thing in this last week or so has just been just seeing that very slight performance drop on like pressing movements which for me is is par for the course to be honest like as soon as i drop a few kilos i do find that my presses take a little bit of a hit but everything else has been progressing nicely training's been good you definitely notice that the pumps are that little bit better when you are a little bit leaner and it's it's nice to to actually feel like you've got a bit of a better pump and you know skin feels a bit tighter and I actually, yesterday, for the first time, I tried to pull a vacuum. So what got the C-bum video up and I was like, oh, I want to see if I can do this. And I'm interested to see when I'm a bit leaner, like how pulling a bit of a vacuum looks with my front double bicep. Because there's one part of my front double that I'm never happy with is like my midsection. Because if I blow out the air to like tense down on my abs, then you lose the width from your back. But I also, you then your abs are just kind of like there and they don't really look that good. So I've seen a couple of AJ's boys where they hit a vacuum and then they keep their humeruses like a little bit more parallel towards the ground rather than what I conventionally do, which is sort of get them up at like a 30 degree angle um, from horizontal. So I'm interested to play around with that a little bit. And that could be a, a shot that looks a bit different next year. But the one thing I do notice is like, because I don't have like a, a big rib cage which is obviously like one of the things in classic that makes the vacuums look so good because you suck down into like almost nothing whereas like my rib cage is i don't know pretty average so i do think it looks okay and i was actually surprised that i could do it um but i think like most things it'll just get better with time so i'm endeavoring to at least try to practice that a few times a day at the moment mm, i guess you could probably add a little bit of vacuum training at the end of your 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 workouts but it's definitely something that needs to practice, right? Like I remember mm. the first time trying to hit a vacuum. It's like, what am I doing with my abs? Do I keep my chest yeah. up tall? Do I crunch down? Like what? Am, yeah. So And I was so sore afterwards. Practice. I was like, I feel like I've just been like hitting the stomach. Like what is going on? So mm. yeah, mm. it was definitely a, a different sensation to what I expected. But I was actually happy with how I was able to, like it looked like a vacuum. It wasn't anything crazy, but 
that's also not really what I'm going for. I'm just going for something that can help me change the look slightly in a few shots and then, you know, maybe whip it out in the pose downs or something like that. Because mm, you're not you're not dabbling in classic physique, are you? Nah, I don't think so, mate. Like, yeah, Jack <laughs> knows my thoughts on classic. I don't have an issue with it, but I, I also don't think my structure would do very well in classic. Like, I don't have a particularly big rib cage. I don't have, like, particularly small waist. My chest and arms are not really, like, standouts relative to the rest of my physique. So I just don't think that my look would do very well in classic comparative to other people. And mm. I'm, I'm pretty content with open bodybuilding. So, yeah. Tell, tell us what these are, these thoughts of classic are, mate. We got oh, no, it's these. nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll leave it to you, boys. Yeah, I do have that. the stash, though. So at least there you I go. Have... Well, that's why I thought. I'm like, he's got the stash. So automatically, that's, that's pretty classic for me, don't you think? Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. But for now, it'll just be the sparkly trunks for me. Mm. Now, how, like, what in terms of the summary of your your um your diet phase, like, how many kilos did you lose? How many weeks was it? So it was about it, well, at the end of this week, it'll be five weeks total, and I think we pretty much bang on five kilos. So if I finish this cut around ninety kilos, it'll be about five kilos, which is pretty good going. And it even makes me think, like, I just don't even know if there's really a need for like an eight week mini cut. Like, I just think that this little short sharp phase has been really beneficial. It's done what we've needed to do. And it's also, you're staying out of that, you know, territory where you would start to get a little bit of diet fatigue and, and that sort of thing. So mm. I actually think the five week has been really good. And I'm just thinking like for future off seasons, the less time you can spend in a deficit, the better. Like once again, you know, Jack mentioned on his pod that like the last couple of years, he's only been in a deficit for a few weeks. So all that other time he's spent growing and gaining. And I just have found this approach very easy and, and just kind of really, truly getting in and out. Like I almost look at my physique and go like, would it really, I mean, yes, I could get leaner with another three weeks, but like, is there much point of that right now where, you know, we've only got a few more months to go before we're going to be going in all the way. So, yeah. I also think if you're starting to experience a little bit of um, performance drop, you know, like, is it beneficial to be a couple of kilos less where you might feel more of a drop off in terms of strength potentially? Um, but I mean, looking at your photos, like, I think you're in a pretty awesome position to start a prep, to be honest. So probably just, it might be amidst of, um, maintaining it up until then, but, yeah. uh, Jackie boy, where are we at? What's happening with you, man? Yeah, I'm in a pretty solid, uh, routinely position at the moment. So in, uh, the six week of my training block, so I'll probably deload next week. I was planning to extend it another week because I really don't like deloading in that uh, transitionary period from like Christmas to New Year's because it's a bit uh, boring and um, I'd rather deload probably in early January but uh, I don't think I can last another week of of normal training um, experiencing just some subtle niggles at the moment and fatigue is quite high so I'll probably uh, deload next week which will be mm. the week of Christmas mm. And otherwise things are going well, like continuing to gain body weight. Um, so I'm around 92 and a half at the moment. Um, some days closer to 93. And yeah, as Lauren said, like I've been in a surplus now for, well, I've been in the off season itself for about 83, 84 weeks. And about uh, three of those weeks have been in a deficit. So um, yeah, a huge extended period in a, um, in a surplus, which has been great. 
Mm, awesome, man. What's what's the kind of like rate of gain that you're you're projecting for, or I guess AJ's projecting for in terms of you know weight weight gain per week? What's sort of the the projections there? Yeah, it's around I would say pretty close to one percent of my body weight. So I would say nine hundred grams to a kilo. Uh, sometimes even a little bit over a kilo. And I think the Wait, reason is I that, is that is that per month, not per week. Per, per week. Sorry, per month. Nine hundred <laughs> grams per week. <laughs> <laughs> peak off season in four weeks yeah. yeah yeah but the reason i've been able to drag it out for quite a long time is also because like i started with aj when i was still like below 80 kilos so i uh, was very close to like i'd just come out of the recovery phase post comp so i had an absolutely huge runway to go from like 80 kilos to 90 plus kilos and then i went mm-hmm. back down to 86 87 and now i'm back up to like 93 ish mm-hmm. Do you think like, can you almost highlight a point in your, in your weight gain where you saw the most increases in your strength? And do you feel mm. like perhaps it might've been better off to push up more quickly up to that point and then start progressing from there rather than have, have sort of progressed more slowly throughout that timeline? Yeah, for sure. Looking back, probably I would say like 88, 89 and above. Um, I'm not sure if I would push up that quickly there though, because I'll probably maybe push up to 85 faster and then go slower from 85. But because, yeah, that would be literally from like 76 to 88, which is a solid 12 kilos, which, I mean, competitors do. And I think I would just honestly struggle with that. I'm very adaptive on the way up. So Mm. I would, and I'll probably feel quite average as well. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm. What about you, DY? Where are you at, man? Yeah, so I'm about uh, three weeks since I came back from the holiday. So I checked in with Joe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, from three weeks of no tracking, no real like training at all, it was like five, six mil up. So to be honest, I would probably expect worse, but visually I knew that it's probably roughly what it was. Like, you know, for not training and not tracking, I would normally expect like to probably 10 to 15 mil up. So it probably shows that I was decently reasonable and somewhat around my maintenance cows, considering that my weight roughly held the exact same too. Um, you know, it was probably a little bit better than I expected. Um, Training right now is really good. I've got like a little bit of a different program um, than what I would normally run. So I'm running pretty much like two posterior lowers and then like a back day, a shoulder day and a chest day. But there's bits of back on all the other days. Um, And it's been working really well. I actually like it a lot. Um, But that does mean that the amount of sets per workout are increased on those um, training sessions. But it's something a little bit different. Um, And I was talking to someone about it and I've been running it for for about three weeks now. And it's really helped with my SIJ. Um, I've been doing a decent amount of stretching as well. And I pretty much have like zero issues at all in terms of my injury, which is pretty much perfect exactly what i wanted especially after the uh, horror story of my holiday when i was limping around and couldn't relieve it at all um which which is good one downside is the uh the amount of quad volume has drastically been reduced to about six sets uh in one week so obviously it's pretty much probably smack on maintenance volume for my quads which you know if that means that i'm able to walk around have no issues with my back and train at 100 percent pretty much every single workout then Hey, I'm going to take it. Mm. Um, In terms of my calories as well, I started at about 3.1 when coming back, which I guess was around my maintenance. But since I started training a little bit harder, session intensity increased. I also increased that up to about like 3.4 at the moment as well, which is, Mm. uh, yeah, pretty much smack on where I'm at. 
happy days, man. I guess being away, you're obviously eating a lot of food, but you're, I, I could imagine your step count would have been pretty high, right? Yeah, it, it was it was higher than normal. That's that's for sure. But I like tried to keep the meals standard, like tried to eat like three meals, maybe one snack. And I tried to get protein in with every meal where possible. In Italy, that's quite hard because there's actual minimal protein. But that also being said, I wasn't really training as much as what I'd want over there as well. So, mm, well, I, yeah. I guess considering in a contest prep, your steps are about what 5K. So anything above <laughs> that is pretty, pretty significant, right? For reference point, I don't think I track steps at all for the first 12 weeks of prep. And then after that, it was about a 20 minute walk. And then to finish off the last six weeks was about 8K each day, which mm. even then I wasn't realistically meant to track them because I would just have a set amount of walking I'd do, but I wore, I wore my watch anyway, you know, OCD mm. and prep. You didn't want to be caught under under the amount. Mm, for sure. Just out of curiosity, what, what was everyone's steps? Like what, what did everyone's steps get up to in their prep? What was yours, Jack? Uh, mine was about probably 14, 15. And I had a routine where I used to do like seven to 8,000 before I'd even go train. So like between six and seven AM, I'd, I'd pace my house, get 7K and then have breakfast, which looking back, I, that was, that was rough. <laughs> it's like hypo the whole time. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. What about you, Lawrence? What what were yours at? Yeah, we didn't go above ten. We started at ten and then finished at ten. You yeah. So he's got this <laughs> magical prep where he keeps five hundred carbs the entirety. Doesn't go above ten k and pretty much eats cereal every single Somehow day. Somehow eats. I don't know what cereal throughout. The I don't understand thing. why people think prep's hard. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the exact same, Lawrence. Like you know, come on. Yeah. Do remember, I was the only one who cried in the car. So just keep that in mind, boys. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. (laughs) Just mostly. Sometimes it does get hard with with eating that amount of food. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, I have to go eat Milo cereal again. Deep into the condes prep complaining about just too much food. You're like, oh, it sucks, man. It's just so much food to eat. Gets off the phone to Joe. Just, man, why aren't I hungry yet, man? Like, I should be. (laughs) Am I not working hard enough? Oh, and here's Jack, when Jack and I freaking chewing our own arms off. Like, <laughs> yeah, when I'm here next year on the call, just like shriveled in the corner, we'll, we'll revisit this discussion. We'll see how hard I'm doing. But yes, it's starting to get pretty hard, man. I've had to drop down to like 400 carb today. Like, Joe had to just pull, pull the pin on it, man. It's just had yeah. to cut it down. I'm like, mate, that's like <laughs> the mind fog is just shocking, boys. Yeah, only yeah, on yeah. 450 carb today. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, uh, in terms of myself, I have wrapped up my mini cut as well. So or we, you wrapped up yours, but I've just wrapped up mine last week and I went from 96 down to 91.8. So um, I was sort of high 96s down to pretty much six six kilos pulled off, or sorry, five kilos pulled so off, um, off six weeks. So yes, in a much better position now to, to push upwards and... I can attest to like better pump and better energy in the gym just by holding a little bit less weight. <laughs> I definitely find uh, it's been also one of the easiest mini cuts that I've, I've employed for myself. So, and I think it would be my association with just running a very fixed plan throughout the entirety. So some, some micro adjustments to meals on occasion and Nicole and I've still been able to have, you know, a meal out on occasion as well which I've just kind of moved some things around in regards to, to banking some additional calories, but things have moved very progressively through, through the mini cut itself. And I haven't really seen any detriment to training performance. So 
uh, I think I'm in a good spot to kind of exit the, the diet phase and, and basically start conservatively pushing up from here. And similar with you in terms of projections around 1% of body weight per, per month is, is probably a go-to. So, you know, around 0.25% per week is probably, probably ideal, maybe around sort of 200, anywhere between 200, 250 grams per week is, is probably a, a good spot for me in terms of progressing. So I'd like to get pretty much a solid 26 weeks of gaining from here without the need to run a further mini cut with the intention of maybe pushing my weight up to around 97, perhaps, perhaps 98 through the through the next gaining phase but uh i think this is the first time that i'm the heaviest on the podcast as well what are, you, what are you now like 92 uh just over 92 and a half it's a thick yeah. boy i'll mm. wield that flag while it lasts oh mm. yeah i'll hand you the the baton you can <laughs> hold on to it for about a week get some food in me i'll be back up to 94 <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> dc will load on those three zingers again you'll pass you by a kilo next week so don't worry about it there you go hundred percent. All right, boys. Well, uh, let's get into the, I guess the topic, the main topic of today's, today's one of, not the main, but one of the uh, topics of today's podcast and last podcast, we did a bit of a poll. We, we kind of threw it out there and said, Hey, what are your bodybuilding foods and appreciate everybody for putting through their, their foods to us. We basically ran a bit of a, uh, uh, I guess a poll between us to see where we sat. And there was a final showdown between chicken and rice and, and protein and cereal, or should I put it as, you know, succulent chicken with some beautiful rice on the side, you know, just the flavor profile is so damn good. You're calling up Coles going, have you put crack in my chicken? And comparative to, you know, like dry wheat bix we're talking dry, you know, dry protein. Almond uh, milk. Almond milk, like not even almond, maybe like oat milk. Like we're talking just shite house, right? Like, <laughs> like just no comparison. And somehow these two fools, Jack and Lawrence, are on uh, the team protein and cereal. And cereal and whey, mate. Not the, protein. And cereal. Sorry, yeah, cereal and whey. And luckily, our our fans, our bodybuilding down under listeners, have tied with our with us, Dy and, and myself, in terms of the uh, the chicken and rice camp. So uh, it's good to see that the listeners do have their head screwed on though. And, and it's kind of like one of them things. It's like, if you have, if, if you want to know the answer to something at school, what are you going to go to? Are you really going to go to the teacher or the students? So it, you want to go to the pros or the amateurs? It's like, you gotta, you gotta pick your poison. I'm the one here with the highest nutrition qualifications. So <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> No, that, no, that is true. It. That is true. But look, I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. The chicken and rice is a, a worthy, worthy victor. I'm happy to accept the loss. But um, I think cereal and whey definitely earned its place as runner-up. Mm. Interestingly, though, I actually had a lot of uh, a lot of people message me and go, "How come oats was was like pushed aside? Like, who who made that call?" And I said, "Yeah, look, it's me. You I have <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> you all yeah. did. I didn't either. Easy, <laughs> you know. I think yeah, if we're all yeah. in a deficit, we'd be like, oh, oats, it's the king. Maybe but we it, run it, this again. We run it must this have again. been three out of four of us because that's how the voting worked. Mm. Well, I'm pretty sure it was a, wasn't it the tie? Oh, it was got, a split decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we got Tierra or... or um, so yeah, that one was Alana. Was it Alana? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. All right, See, gotcha. Through the yeah, judging so, off. Listeners, you can you can blame Alana for that for that mishap in that result right there. But that is all in love to you. Just send all be. hate there. We'll drop the IG tag below. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, that is done and dusted. We've, we've sorted that through. Chicken and rice is the, is the victor. Uh, but I wanted to move on to our next topic of today. And that's basically our Olympia predictions, or I guess just some, some, some thoughts about the, uh, the Mr. Olympia that is this weekend. By the time you dear listeners listen to today's podcast, it will actually be in the future. So the Olympia would have been done and dusted and you might have your own thoughts about who you know was going to win. But um, classic physique boys, who do, you, who do we think is our top three? Jack Radford-Smith. <laughs> You're competing, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, good. That's why I always wear the oversized tees. Yeah, exactly. Just so we can whip the shirt out. Holy shit, that guy's lean. Wow. I'll get, while you boys discuss, I'll get a few IG pictures for our own reference mm. because I know, obviously, C-Bum's looking absurd. I thought yeah. I think big big Rami's got the classic, surely. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He's 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 like me, mate. He started pulling vacuums this week. See, I would have to probably say for classic, it'd be either Terrence or C Bum as either one and two. I do really yeah, yeah. As you pull up a photo of C Bum, C Bum does look ridiculous, but for me, Terrence is just the epitome of classic. Like just everything about him. Like you can't not be classic and not have a routine like Terrence. Like Terrence has a routine and a half every single year. And it's like out of this world. I think if Chris had that, it could really just step him above everyone else. But yeah. Mm. Mm. And whilst I agree, like Terrence is incredible. Like he looks absolutely amazing. Like I, I love his physique. I, I just think that Chris has that intangible factor. And we all know like in the IFBB and in the Olympia, like how hard it is to beat the reigning champ. Yeah. Like you saw it with like bodybuilders, they win Olympias in like dynasties for the most part. Like you look at Phil Heath, you look at Ronnie, you look at Jay, like it's so hard to dethrone the previous winner. And I just think like if they're neck and neck, it'll go to Chris. Like Terrence will have to be so far and away better than Chris for him to get the W. And I just like, like, man, it's mental. Like, the separation that he has in each muscle group is absolutely absurd. But I still think when they're on stage next to each other, like, Chris has that mm. that thing, that X factor. And also, yeah. Chris is taller and he just takes up so much space. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how much room Terrence had to move on the weight cap as well compared to Chris because I don't think Chris actually had too much to move at all. I don't even think... I thought my understanding move. was that he was pretty pretty much at it, right? It was yeah, he's pretty much at, at it. Category. Weight cut, yeah. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah, he's... That is absolutely... Because if you were to mark the posing routine higher, which what should be in classic, like, I, I think I remember seeing something about Chris where he pretty much came out and kind of winged it. It's like, when you have classic, I feel like you just can't wing a classic posing routine that's like an like an Olympia level. Like, mm. and Terrence comes out and he there's no doubt about it. It's like him or Euros that would put on the best posing routine probably that's going to come this year. And for a classic, I feel like you need to have it. I still think that the top three, it's going to be pretty much like Chris Bumstead, then we'll probably go Terrence. And then it's either going to go Raymond or Eurus, either one of those two. You uh, mean the other. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Bear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miracle <laughs> Bear, Miracle Bear. It's either going to be top two would be those two for sure. And then I reckon the third spot is either going to be one of them two. I don't know if I've seen that many updates with Urs, but like... I think his profile might have been hacked, actually, because I don't see it anywhere. I did yeah, see something maybe. about 
it may be being hacked. But um, yeah, I guess I'm pretty similar to you, D.Y. Like I think Chris m- might have a, another win under his belt here. Um, I think I think um, I think Urz and, and and Raymond both have an incredible physique, though. So I mean, I could see them maybe knocking out uh, Terence, but Terence does have you know a wow factor to his posing and definitely that sort of um, essential component of being classic in terms of how he conducts himself on stage. Just, I guess the difference would be that some of these other boys are just so damn big, right? And then obviously very classic as well. So it's kind of hard to know exactly who would take the win just based off photos, unless you actually make comparisons when they stand next to each other. And I think that's where Chris is is often won from, from the rest of the lads, right? He's just kind of got that size to him whilst also being classic in terms of the narrow waist and the broad shoulders and the large rib cage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. There you go. I'll put, I'll put a little video in the chat for you because you couldn't find it. But but yeah, that I, I reckon that would be like you might another one that was really good that has fallen back is Breon. I find Breon's extremely complete, but now when you have these other guys with like such small waists and such good insertions, now he's kind of fallen out. Mm. I just think but, Breon looks like a little bodybuilder now. Yeah. Like, he doesn't scream classic. And I think he is gonna move to 212 next year. I believe it's his last year in classic. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is probably a good call. Because I don't think I can see nearly apart from his calves a single weak point on him. Like everything is so well developed, mm. like on Breon. Uh, you know, but when you have a thicker waist compared to everyone else, it kind of just puts you out straight off the bat. Because mm. Breon won quite a few years in a row, didn't he? Like three. Three years he, in a row. Yeah, yeah three years right. in a row. Yeah. And obviously lost it to Chris, right? As his first first loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So there's only been two classic Olympias or Mr. Olympias then. Nap three. Oh, who Danny, is Danny Hester was the first ever winner. Ages right. ago. Oh. Yeah. He must yeah. be about 85 years old now. Yeah. It's He's crazy so he old. won it when he was so old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, even then, back then. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, boys. What about the Opens bodybuilding? What do you think? Well, I was going to say, should we do a top five? Like, should we each predict a top five and then the either the loser gets punished or the winner gets rewarded or something like that? <laughs> sure, I'll, man. What, I, I'll, I said I'll make a little things. list. Like, it might just be you a little bit easier. Me, Lawrence. It might just be a little bit easier to, uh, to orchestrate. But um, yes. Yeah, you want to do this, Lawrence? You can do it. Maybe, maybe the worst prediction gets the KFC bill when we all go. Jesus. Because KFC is not too expensive. So... You know, we're being mindful of mortgages and repayments and natural body bodybuilding worldwide subscriptions. Cheap, mm. cheap plug. Mm. Fair. Fair. All right. So we got Jack. I'm not as savvy with uh, the Olympia as you guys, I will admit. So I'll, I'll go uh, not first. I'll say that. All right. All right. So we'll go, we'll just go one to five because I think that's a nice even number. So. Number one predictions. Why don't we just why don't we just why do we just branch it through as in like who's our top contender and we go through it like that? All right. Well, who do you think number one? I'm going Big Grammy. I'm Big Grammy's taking number one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Fig Grammy as well. Apparently, I heard something he's like over 300 pounds still. Like he's like 320 pounds at the moment. That's crazy. Because I know that Rami, Rami, yeah. I think Rami's gonna take take the top for sure. Mamdu. What what is it? Mamdu El Sabai? Is that his name? 
we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was a pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, pretty all good our Egyptian listeners. Is he Egyptian? I think he's Egyptian. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Probably tiptoeing ourselves into some hot water here. Let's move on. Mm. Um, um, all right, I'm going to go as Derek as second. Wow, huge call. Second, Derek. Ooh. Okay. I'm going Nick Walker. No, nah, surely nah, not. no, Dude, no way. Well, no, we, we already know that Nick, uh, Lawrence is paying for the KFC bill then. <laughs> um, does anyone know if Hattie is still doing it? Yeah, yeah he's he still is. competing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd probably go, I reckon, Curry still second. Look at that. Yeah, yeah it looks crazy, but like... In you know, photos, of course it, it looks crazy. And it's a fucking edited photo to... shoot. Yeah, Curry. it's all the angle, Jack. It's just, he's purely <laughs> angle. I, I didn't see that, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would go probably like Brandon Curry still second. You're going Curry? Yeah. Mm. I um, reckon second, I'll probably go Hardy. Hardy, I think. Hardy? Yeah, Hardy. Oh, wait, I've got this all cooked. Uh, you're going Curry? DY? Yeah. Who have you got second, Lawrence? I don't know, man. Nick looks crazy. And I just lock him in. I just think he's got enough freak factor. And he's so complete. And whilst it maybe all doesn't gel together as nicely as some of the other guys, I think he's just got too much mass and he's going to be too conditioned to not do really well. Mm. Because they were doing like like a comparison between him and Hunter Labrada and he blows Hunter out of the water this year. I think think he takes Hunter. That's what I've got in my prediction anyway. And I don't think Curry's been his best in the last few years. Like I, I think Curry is on the the greasy pole. He's you say down. he's not been the best, but then he's won the Olympia and then he's come like what second twice in a row. Like yeah, but that's got... damn good. No, no, no. This is relative though. Like you're yeah, yeah, he's yeah, past his prime there. Like... He's so past his prime there. Like he's yeah. gonna be second at the Olympia. Like I'm like he's small. Dexter I who? could beat him. No. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I'd still have to run him second. I think he's too good to I've got Hattie third myself. Oh, third now. Jack's right. got Hardy in third. Yeah, I've I've got Hardy in third. As do I. Who does and... Mr. DC have in third? Uh, I'd say Derek. I think. Derek, okay. I've got he... Brandon fourth. See, yeah, me too. All, yeah, it's Brandon all fun and games well. until like Derek steps up into the fucking standard next to three hundred and twenty pounds though, at a two twelve. That's like a hundred pound difference. That's what I want to see. He's so big though, dude. Like he He's so big, but a hundred pound difference between him and Rami. That's one third. I and just Rami's actually quite small height wise from what I yeah. like, heard. I think he's five nine. The biggest but thing I question with Derek is like the Olympia is very the Olympia is like a boys' club where like you do your time and you get rewarded. So I just question whether or not they would reward him with a top five finish straight away. Because that's kind of what it is. You like you would like that out. wow factor as well. Like it will bring a lot of people. It'll be quite a spectacle to see Derek come mm. in the top five as well. Mm. Mm. Right. It was because really now it's between like, all right, Derek, some people like I haven't mentioned Curry yet or like Bonac. Yeah. Because then there's just like, you know, the Hollingsheads and Ian and like those guys who are probably just on the outside of the yeah, top they're, five. They're all, they're all six to 10, I reckon. All those mm. ones. Mm. I'm going to have Curry in fourth. Mm, that's the same with me. I've got him in fourth as well. I said fourth, yeah. I'm going to have Nick in fourth. 
which would be I, what a place up from last year. And I have Nick in fifth. I have Nick in fifth as well. And then I've got Derek in fifth. Mate, it looks like you'll be buying us some zingers. <laughs> so then it's just my fifth. Can we uh can we replace the 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 zingers with maybe some like chicken nuggets or something like that? I'm a bit <laughs> fucking sick of these uh these conversations about zinger burgers. What about some McDonald's chicken nuggets, eh? They're the worst nuggets of all. What are you what? kidding me? Are you hiding? Do not tell me you put McDonald's nuggets over KFC nuggets. You Hell can yeah. buy me a burrito bowl then from Guzman. <laughs> all right. KFC nuggets, like, mate, are you going to go ask your parents why you've got such shit taste buds or what? All right, boys. It's there. It's in the book. All right. So Jack has Rami, Derek, Hardy, Curry, Nick. I've got Rami, Walker, Hardy, Curry, Derek. DY, Rami, Curry, Hardy, Walker, Derek. DC, Rami, Hardy, Derek, Curry, Nick. So we've all gone with the same top five, pretty much. Like, just in different orders. I, I think much. the top five are pretty much nearly... Lo- the only one I could maybe see is maybe if Hunter maybe somehow brings something in- insane. And then, because he did beat Nick last time, you can't just count him out. Mm. Or Bonac. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But, but even saying that, man, like, even the check-ins that Ian's putting up are ridiculous. Yeah, it's good, but I don't know. I just don't think it's enough to not check, check out the um, check-ins that DY throws up. He doesn't look like that in real life. <laughs> what whiter? <laughs> Somehow he's even whiter in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what I would go. Well, did Derek make the step up? Hundred percent. He's doing the uh, open, eh? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, I yeah. I, I thought I, thought I heard that, but. Mm. Well, what's the go for 212 then? Surely that's Sean. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. Mm, I'm keen to see how he measures up in the opens because he is, he's so small, like body weight wise. It's ridiculous. It's like what, 180? Yeah. Imagine Sean at the weight cap though for, uh, for 212 though. Oh, if he was at the 212 weight cap, but I don't think he could. Like, that's a lot. Hmm. Like, because I mean, imagine the amount of anabolics you'd have to take to put on a further like thirty pounds of tissue. Yeah, you'd also need to grow a foot. <laughs> he'd, probably, he'd probably make it one Olympia, and then he'd he'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's so morbid. <laughs> hey, I didn't say yeah. that. I just meant he'd be You're done horrible, with bodybuilding, man. not dead. Oh. Oh. That yeah, man. <laughs> we read the room. We read the room. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really follow the 212 that close, so I don't really know. Like, I know there's Kamal, who's pretty good. Mm. But I would say it was pretty much between dead set between those two that we already said, like Derek and Sean. Like, But now that Derek's out, I think Sean's pretty much nearly got it unless someone else really steps up to the plate. Mm, for sure. What about men's physique? Do you know many of the competitors, D.Y.? Uh yeah, what's his name? Um, that one at last year. He's looking absolutely insane. Brand. Is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, Brent. Yeah, he, he's been looking very good for a while, and just genetically, you're so like put together. It's like it's hard though because there's that uh E Banks as well. He looks ridiculous, and what he made his nearly Olympia debut, I believe, it was last year and cracked like top five, like absolutely insane, like. Pretty much placing top five straight at the bat. He's pretty much nearly won every single show that he's done. Like, 
that was outside the Olympia in the past year, which mm. is, is which is pretty ridiculous. Like when you think mm. about it, he's pretty much running around winning Arnold's, all the shows or whatever he enters, he pretty much takes. So which which is crazy. So and he's probably one of the only people which I think could maybe take um, Brandon. Yeah, there was we Nicole and I watched the IFBB uh, Japan Pro and the the guy that took out the men's physique overalls in the pro lineup looked ridiculous. He was absolutely ginormous. And he just had this like power pose where he could kept his hands on his hips the entire time in that front relaxed pose. And he just absolutely dwarfed that the guys next to him. I cannot remember his name and I'm trying to look him up right now on the, on the page and I just cannot find it, but I'm both Nicole and I are going to watch the show over the weekend. And I think he'll do pretty well because it was just, very large individual, like massive. It was incredibly impressive to watch. Don't you wish that like the IFBB men's physique, like competitors, like did some muscularity poses? Yeah, even, yeah, hundred percent. So like a front mm. double, side yeah, chest. I'm just like, uh, just like, I find it so boring to watch, to be honest, because it's just like quarter turns. And I'm like, do something, mm. you know? <laughs> like it's, it's still impressive and they look great, but I just think like, you know, it's what about your uh, bikini predictions, Lawrence? Yeah, mate. So uh, I've I've been crunching the numbers, and uh, yeah, the, the, I know one competitor, and it's the one that, well, and now I've forgotten her name, uh, <laughs> Laurel Lee Chap. That's the only one I yeah, know, yeah. and she'll probably win it. No, yeah. so I reckon I reckon Jennifer Jennifer Dory will, will yeah. win it. I think I think she'll uh, she'll take it. I think she won it last year, right? Yeah, she won it last year. Jen, Jen Dory, yeah. I, th- I think she'd pretty much take it and then it would be probably like Laurelly like second or third. Yeah, so I, I had think Laurelly maybe second and then I'm not sure who, who for third actually. Maybe Ashley. Um, How many of the bikini uh, competitors do you think are on pads? All. On the Olympia stage? Mm. Every one of them. <laughs> I, I think I think you'd be crazy to think anything different. Maybe there might be one genetic outlier that might be sitting up there, but... I didn't even think any have won a pro card recently, probably natural. Maybe like mm-hmm. one out of every hundred people would. I know, I believe the last girl that won the Australian pro card was natural when she... Uh, I reckon she you could definitely win a, a pro card naturally for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's Especially just, in the so US, hard. Australia is a lot more competitive. Well, they just give out fewer pro cards. I give it pretty much one every season, I believe, mm. in Australia. Mm. So it's like, it's yeah. extremely hard for you to get one. And then not only that, you've got to go up against people that are using peds so just makes it so much harder jack what are your wellness predictions <laughs> someone from brazil <laughs> <laughs> well i, I don't know cool. you're probably going to be right you probably already like, ticked yeah, off the top five just there so <laughs> one that i think that's got a lot of potential for bikini is that Issa. she she has probably the most genetically structured like bikini body but she just hasn't really pulled through over. She won it a couple of years ago, but she's just missed the mark. I remember one time she was like super, super lean and just like really jacked at the same time. She's got like such a small waist. It's probably the smallest waist on the bikini stage. It's ridiculous. Smaller Um, than yours? Not that quite. (laughs) Not not that small. Uh, small. But yeah, and she just has like- You mean Alyssa Pacini? Yeah, yeah, Instagram handles like yeah, Issa, yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, yeah. absolutely. Did, yeah, I do remember she did win it a couple of years back. Um, won it a couple of years, and she's placed like pretty much like top five since. But like in terms of structure, if she, she was always to, like, looks very it, emaci- emaciated, like it almost looks yeah. like she's on the verge of 
like malnourishment. I mean, that's yeah. just my. Yeah, but just when you look at the structure on her, it's like if she was actually able to like really pull it off, like you know, put the size on in the right areas and stuff like that. It's hard when you go up against like Laura Lee on the back shot and her glutes are just like pretty much fucking in your face. It's like, uh, yeah. Does she have like a crazy dieting face? Yeah, she she does when she gets extremely lean for multiple. And like... that's what kind of cost her because she had like that death mm. face in a bikini division. Because mm. was... That's what I meant, yeah, by emaciated, yeah. Is someone yeah. like, does bodybuilding without borders often put her up? Because I remember uh, there was like, some there was a woman on there I was seeing for a while, and like, yeah, the diet phase was nuts. Yeah, she does get very lean, and like, it really shows through her face. And obviously, in the bikini division, they don't want that more or less. So, she like kind of mm. needs to find a way to you know make it not look so deathly, but still keep everything intact. Mm, it's such a it's such a, a a category with so many genetic predispositions. Hey, like, mm. you need to be you know extremely lean in terms of a, a female category but also have that sort of femininity to to your muscle mass and with a greater bias towards perhaps you know the glutes it's all about the glutes in terms of a rear shot for, for women's bikini but um you know you can't be so damn lean that you've obviously got glute striations coming through so even in terms of like where you hold your body fat as well is a is a big big call card when it comes to you know who who is suited to that particular category mm. yeah a hundred percent that being said, I guess whenever you look at the Olympia, it's like every single div has like the extreme of the extreme genetics. Well, that's it. Yeah, top. I mean, you yeah. could basically say any category, right? It needs its genetic predisposition. Like, well, Rami's probably like 50 pounds above everyone else. It's like, and what, probably like a couple of inches smaller as well, which is absolutely insane. Mm. Well, that's always my argument. Like, say, okay, say Rami is like 320 pounds. It's like, what we, what would he have been naturally? Like, 240 250 like is that like 70 pounds just from gear it'd probably be something along the lines of Marco Hearn. like you'd probably be sitting at it because <laughs> <laughs> that's what mike would look like yeah straight up yeah or the liver king yeah what's his real name oh uh liver king. i didn't even know but yeah, yeah it's crazy because like you see people like that and it's like well, how could how big it was could Fred they have Flintstone? Been? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Freddie. <laughs> Did you guys see his apology video, dude? <laughs> I believed it. I gobbled it up, and then I bought his liver supplementation. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just laughed Brian at the Johnson. I just laughed at the intro because it was like, you know, before social media or before Liver King, like I was rich and like nobody knew who I was, and now I'm still rich. And everybody knows who I am. I'm like, you're doing an apology to people that you've mass fooled. And the first thing that you start up with, you're basically just putting into people's face that you've made a copious amount of money from it from them. It's like, you're a loser. <laughs> yeah, dude. A charlatan in every sense of the word. Hey, Fucking crazy. Hell. Yeah, crazy. All right, boys. Well, I guess that wraps up the, uh, the Olympia predictions section. We haven't actually gone through every single category, but we do need to get a move on. Now, speaking of, of, uh, of prepping, hunger, diet face, death face, et cetera, one of the questions that we did have from one of our listeners was surrounding hunger management strategies and potential strategies that you guys might have utilized through your previous contest preps. I mean, what things were you doing to try and, I guess, push you past those days where your hunger was rampant and it was like eating at your very soul? 
<laughs> what 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 were things that you guys were doing to try and get past that? Were you volumizing your meals? Were you focusing on the other tasks? Were you walking? Were you playing games? Like what were you guys doing to try and get past these 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 hungry days? What about you, DY? I was actually about to say, what about you? Because you've been the one that's probably been on the lowest food. So I reckon you're the one to run this one first. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I guess in terms of uh, my, I guess my allotment of foods is that I would, I would try and volumize things. So I guess I started to bias more things like pumpkin and potato as my carbohydrates and also oats as my carbohydrates being a little bit higher in terms of fiber. Uh, I would try and allocate more of my protein towards whole foods. So I'd, I'd very rarely ad adopt anything in relation to protein powder, even post-workout or anything like that. Uh, even in terms of like oats where I would typically mix in protein powder, I would adopt, adopt maybe some egg whites on the side or something like that as a means of getting a little bit more food to consume. But not mixed and, with the oats. But not, yeah. not mixed with the oats. No, definitely not. Um, you can't put the zucchini is already in there, Jack. It wouldn't work. Oh, true. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never use. I never use that zucchini hack. I I would rather. I feel like I'd rather go without oats, to be honest, mm. than mix zucchini. I think if anything, it's more of a mental thing. Like I'm accepting that I'm that hungry now that I'm mixing zucchini into my oats. I'd rather just embrace it and, and move on. Um, but also using using a bit of caffeine. So I think caffeine's a big one to try and sort of stagger throughout my morning. So I might have a, a long black in the morning and then sort of late late morning would be another long black. And then I would typically sip on like some Coke, no sugar around my lunchtime and sort of the early early evenings. Do you find that actually helps? Because I've never used diet soda in a prep like to combat hunger because I've mm. my assumption is that it'll just make you hungrier in a prep. Mm, I think it's, it's, it's a twofold thing. So I, I think there was actually some literature that, that, that came out looking at the, the consumption of fluid in, in excess consumed with a solid meal. And although it resulted in a temporary uh, increase in satiation, it actually resulted in a greater degree of hunger post, uh, perhaps because of an increase in gut motility. I'm not entirely sure what the study, mm. the consensus was. Not there. very relatable to comp prep though. Yeah, not very relatable to Connors prep. Yeah, exactly. So look, I just found it helped to take the edge off a little bit. There were times where I'd be like peckish within the day and I just needed something to consume, I guess. And if it's something like that, that I factored into my day, it gave me, I, I would look at it almost as like a stepping stone to, to get me through to the next meal of, of a sense. And anecdotally, and also based on the competitors that I've worked with, it has seemed to provide benefit in terms of their reporting. So something we can utilize on occasion i think it's it's a good call rather than mm. you know eating off diet or off plan or things like that but um what about you boys that's basically the allotment of strategies that i utilized uh i guess i'll answer it now <laughs> so uh, i've got a couple written down but one of the ones that i used was pretty much like i guess carbohydrate swaps so for starters at the start of prep i would pretty much run like rice and then once I started getting hungry, I'd then go for a more slower digesting source, which then I swapped for sweet potato. And then I guess once that didn't do the trick, I then would swap for pumpkin. So I guess I kind of had a list. It was like rice at the start. Once I started getting hungry, I'll swap out a bit of that rice for sweet potato. And then once I started getting even hungrier, I'll swap out for pumpkin. But in the end, I didn't actually need the pumpkin swap. So I guess having some carbohydrate swaps like that was one thing that I wanted to keep in my prep. Um, do, you like, do you do like half and half? 
Uh, I always wanted to keep some rice in my meals, yep. but yeah, in the end, I knew that hunger was pretty much going to come about in a prep mm. and I was like, there's no way around it. So I was like, if I just went a kilo of pumpkin each day to, you know, just try and stop my hunger in the end, it really wouldn't help. So yeah. I always wanted to try and keep like, I think it was 40 grams raw weight was the minimum amount of rice I'd pretty much have like for that one meal post-workout. So I think it was post-workout, I'd have like 40 grams of rice and then whatever would be left over would be like sweet potato and then maybe some normal veggies like broccoli yeah. and maybe some peas and corn or something. Because I think it's a good way is like, don't whip out all the hacks as soon as yeah. you start getting hungry. Like try titrate them in. Like yeah. I'll do the same. So it's like start of the prep. Maybe I'm still having like a hundred and something grams of raw weight rice. Okay. Eight weeks later, now it's 50 grams of rice and then the rest of the carbs from like potato or something like that. So just sort of like work your way into it so that you're not, because I just think people like they hit, prep and they're like okay here comes all the hunger hacks not going to let myself get hungry it's like if you're starting to use like the pumpkin and you know the crazy amounts of sweetener crazy amount of soft drink like if you're doing that in you know 15 weeks out like you're going to have such a long road ahead so i totally agree and that's so much to say is just for embracing the hunger right i think you know it's it's I feel like something, it, 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 seemed, it seems as though it's a bad thing in a contest prep. It's like, you need to appease this hunger. You need to fulfill it. You need to fill that void. But I mean, it's a down, downward spiral if your, your thought process is that you're wanting to completely fulfill this hunger. Because like you said, Lawrence, there's going to get a point within a contest prep that nothing will satiate you. And if you're constantly trying to appease and fulfill this hunger, you're going to go down a road of, of um, just some real issues with regards to food, I think. One thing as well is like, I try and I guess make the meals not so amazing. Like everyone in preps, like, you know what? I want to have this amazing meal, every single meal. Like I want to have chocolate oats. I want to have like these epic burrito bowls. I want to have these pizzas for dinner. And it's like, but all that stuff tastes amazing. And it's like, by the time you're sitting there at three o'clock in the afternoon and you've just finished your amazing meal. And now the next thing you're thinking about is this amazing pizza you're going to make for dinner. So for the next three hours, you're absolutely starving because that's all that's on your mind. It's like, in the end, it's like when you're in a prep, it's like not everything's going to taste amazing. And if you're thinking about food 24-7, it's going to be a horrible thing. So that's mm -hmm. one thing. It's like, you know, you got to have some boring meals in there. If you think like you're just going to have... Rice. Yeah, exactly. Chicken, chicken and veggies. It's like, you know, you're not going to look forward to it. But it's in the end, it's probably it, going to tick the box. <laughs> he admitted it. It's boring. It's garbage. No, I, yeah. I think it's a good call because I think when you're... Even if you're doing flexible dieting, which we all do and we're all big proponents of, like even if you are doing like a macros approach you're going to start to adopt a bit of a meal plan by the end and i think my better preps with food focus were when i was eating very similar stuff very basic meals because you know i've been there i've done the protein pancakes with the low calorie toppings and like i was like oh this is amazing and like it, you know it, it's just there is only so long until that stuff just starts to drive your food focus up more and like something i hate seeing is like you know, people who are eating nothing the whole day so they can then have a, you know, a fit lardo with a Freddo at the end of the night. And it's just like, mm -hmm. you need to also remember there's not a dieting competition. Like you're still an athlete and performance should be your number one priority because maintaining performance during a prep mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, put you in a better point to actually maintain muscle and get to the stage with as much tissue as probable. So like if you're going without carbohydrates around your training window just so that you can have this like dessert at the end of the night i think you need to 
you know, you and your coach need to re-examine that and think about what the priorities are and where you need those carbohydrates more during mm. the day. Mm, yeah. Because I, I mean, ultimately the adherence aspect shouldn't be an issue for a comp prep competitor. Like they should have adherence down pat before they get to a prep. And therefore you shouldn't really be having to structure your nutrition too much around adherence. Um, so like someone dedicating a lot of their carbs, for example, towards the evening, like you shouldn't need to do that from an adherence standpoint, just like training is optimized to preserve, preserve your muscle. Like nutrition needs to be optimized in a prep as well to preserve your performance and preserve your muscle. Otherwise it just turns into a, another dieting phase as opposed to a comp prep. Mm. And that's, that's more of an extreme way of looking at it, but I think, yeah. yeah, especially for more experienced competitors, I would look at it like that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I also think that everybody <clears throat> has a bit of a breaking point, right? So, um, I mean, in a lab, the diet condition, yes, you know, you should just, you should just structure the diet in and around optimizing performance. But I think like every competitor does have a breaking point, right? So there's probably a point in a contest prep where maybe you have to sacrifice pre-workout carbohydrates of a simple nature to appease hunger, mm. hunger in a sense, which there actually is some literature surrounding like going into a workout and not being hungry seems to have a benefit with regards to performance. And I mean, you could argue that at the end of a contest prep, you're always going to be hungry regardless of what strategy you adopt pre, pre, pre that training bout. But I think the optimality associated with, you know, biasing the optimal amount of carbohydrates pre-training, intra-workout, you know, Gatorade, like all those sort of strategies, there probably is a point where you may have to start drawing upon cards where you reduce the optimality of that just to appease someone's adherence and perhaps their ability to stick on the plan and, and prioritize something that might be more satiating, things like that. And, you know, I definitely think the nutrition protocol that is in favor of optimizing performance will probably always come out better, but again you know we're always dealing with with athletes that have their own individual struggles things like that as well so i think it's always up to the coach to kind of make the call as to what sacrifices need to be made to keep that person individual on track quick quick sidebar do we all take intro carb like intro workout carbs yeah yes. I, do. I do yep does anyone drop them fully even in the depths of prep I do. Yeah. I didn't have them last prep, but I wasn't using intra before last prep either. But I, my plan this time is to keep them in during prep if I can. Yeah. I, I think I kept about 40 grams of carbs and I think about 10 grams of like amino acids. 14. In my, intra. In, in, yeah. yeah every, every, every session. Yeah. The thing is I, I counted that in every single day pretty much. So like before I even ate my meals, it was like, mm. they, they were already factored in. So there's, there's no taking it away. The only mm. thing that ever got dropped in prep was pretty much food. Mm. Cause the only, like I didn't drop them. I was probably in between DY and DC. So I would like my normal off season is like 40 grams intra. And then I would drop it to 20 when I just could not, you know, when I just was like, okay, I need a little bit more food in the day. I would just drop that from 40 to 20. Mm. I think I held out for a decent amount of time last prep. But I do think I noticed a big difference between training performance, just having, you know, that 20 grams in there the whole way through for sure. And yeah, it sucks because you're drinking it down and it doesn't really fill you up, but I, I thought it was worth it for me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was the same. So I tried to hold on to some pre, pre-training carbs via like cereal for a good chunk of time. For, I think I was trying to contain around or consume around 40, 50 grams of carbs uh pre-training via via cereal but there was a point where that kind of had to reduce down because i'm like oh, i'm getting to that stage where 
I'm approaching these sessions and they're just very hard because I'm so food focused and hungry. Like I'm better off to maybe just volumize my breakfast a little bit more. And that seemed to provide a little bit of benefit at that point in time. Was it optimal for performance? I mean, it's, it's hard to say, maybe, maybe not, but I mean, if I was in a position where I could keep that in place, I would, I would, I would run that all mm. the way through, I think. And I think that's probably a great way to go about it. Like you did DY is like, look at as your, look at your pre-workout nutrition or perhaps peri-workout nutrition as almost being like a non-negotiable that you structure your entire day around. Cause if you can retain that, that's probably a good thing for your performance in the long run. Even if you hold it up right up until, you know, six weeks out or five weeks out or something like that, surely going to provide benefit for the entire duration in which you ran that. See, see, for me, even when I did my last mini cut, the macros that I was actually hitting were didn't include the intra workout. So my intra workout, like I kind of had on the side, it's like every workout, regardless, I'm going to have like 30, 40 grams of carbs and like some amino acids. But then I had my macros that were pretty much in the my my fitness pal. So regardless, I already had the intra workout. And it's like that way I didn't have to play around with it. I didn't need to pull them from anything like I didn't need to worry about, oh, maybe I'll cut my intro workout. It was already in there. It's like, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't touch it. So then, yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. What, one other little one that I had is also workout timing for stalling out the hunger. I used to have like my meal and then I would pretty two hours before training and I would pretty much like have caffeine and then I'd go train. So then that way I'd pretty much have like about four or five hours where I wasn't hungry at all. And then I could go back. So that was like one thing that I've, found quite like helpful in the depths of prep is like you know training and the caffeine mm, absolutely actually one thing i wanted to throw in there really quickly and on the topic of sort of appeasing you know adherence versus optimality with um with nutrition things like that we did have a question around um refeeds and sort of centering on you know do we adjust protein and fat during refeeds because the consensus there is that you're utilizing perhaps a larger allotment of carbohydrates as a means of replenishing muscle glycogen but um, one of the one of the questions I wanted to throw to you boys is some with some of your athletes. Uh, do you structure refeeds sort of back to back? Let's say you're running a double refeed with an individual. Do you do you typically structure them back to back, or do you stagger those out throughout the week? What does that typically look like? I'll start with you, Jack. So, do you mean as in like full on weeks, or just individual days? Individual days. So, let's say you're you're typically running like a single refeed with an athlete and. You know, maybe they have a very large drop in body weight trends and you, mm. you can justify adding an additional refeed day. Is that something that you would typically employ back to back or would you perhaps structure that out on separate days or spread out days, et cetera? Yeah, I would usually do it back to back and I'll, it, I'll actually usually broach it with the client as well because I do like to identify that, okay, I'm thinking of giving you a refeed and we can either go about this refeed by giving you more food or, or doing less activity. And, and kind of um, getting you closer to maintenance that way, because I think refeeds do sometimes come with a, a con of, sure, you get the extra food, but potentially there's the increase in food focus that comes along with it, especially if you're going back to, to lower macros afterwards. So any of that doesn't really answer your question, but I, I would usually give it back to back as opposed to spread on out on different days. Mm, for sure. Yeah. What about you, DY? Uh, I'm the same, but it depends. Like, like what Jack said is like, you'd run it past the client. So let's say if I was to give a client two days and maybe they've got three training days in a row, I'll be like, have it on the first two training days. So it might be like a push pull legs. So that way you would have pretty much high carbs for like the push pull. And then the leg day would kind of get a little bit of a carryover. But you know, if they go, Hey Dan, I'd rather have it on both my leg days. Cause I'm really suffering. Um, 
I'm not going to be like, nah, mate, that's no go. Like, I'll be like, hey, if that works best for you and that's going to net the best performance and even mentally, like, you know, maybe they go into them sessions training a little bit harder then you know, hey, I'm all for it. But ideally, I do like to have them back to back. And I have noticed that it can also help with like, like more or less like body weight and like dropping some fatigue, especially related with the diet on the back end. Um, and sometimes with the, with the, with the meals, especially with the higher carb, like the high days, I actually get my clients to pull it from veggies a little bit. So I'm like, I still want you roughly having the same amount of volume, but just pulling it from the veggies. So then normally a majority of the time they'll have the high days and they'll probably actually drop weight and have amazing training and performance. Mm, yeah. Fair. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm pretty similar to you boys. I, I would probably have a preference towards um, doubling up. So doing, doing back to back and I, I probably look at it from the standpoint that in the depths of a contest prep, I think there are some issues pertaining to like nutrient partitioning. So it actually may be more of a challenge to saturate muscle glycogen with glucose um, upon higher carbohydrate days. And that's just because the body becomes more selective, selectful when it comes to, I don't even know there's a word. <laughs> it becomes more, um, I guess, stringent in regards to where it's particular. Yes. Where, where it allocates its, its energy um, storage or conservation. So I think that there's actually issues regarding the ability to replenish muscles, muscle glycogen, even through the inclusion of a single refeed. So it might actually be more beneficial to back to back uh, those higher carbohydrate days as a means of, of greater likeliness of, of, um, of saturating that. So that might be a, a good, a good cause or reason to, to back to back it. Um, and, but there has been occasions where I've staggered refeeds and that by me might be more centered around perhaps like adherence side of things. So if an athlete does struggle with, uh, I guess, hunger uh, waiting for that refeed to come around and i've allocated an additional refeed day sometimes there has been benefit from staggering an additional refeed sort of prior to that original refeed day so if let's say for example someone runs a refeed on a thursday uh i might might put in a, a refeed on the monday or the tuesday or something like that as a means of of giving them something to like look i guess a stepping stone of such but it's it's more of a rarity i would more likely uh put them back to back in nature so that wraps up another episode of the bodybuilding done under podcast thank you again for joining us today if you love today's episode remember to give us a subscribe and an awesome review and we will most certainly see you in the next episode